Disquiet on the Western Front await. Protecting old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. Protecting old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. Protecting old growth forest is about the survival of our culture. So let's come back to the initial point. What is deforestation? Forests aren't simply collections of trees. They're complex systems with hubs and networks that overlap and connect trees and allow them to communicate. The people that are fighting on the ground, who are barricading the roads, who are digging trenches, who are refusing to let the police in, they're the ones that are winning the fight. So let's come back to the initial point. They want more and more and more, and there is no end. And the world is like there is no more control. Uh, what people need is more love and understand each other. I mean, this is not just, you know, right versus left. This is kind of an attack on the whole concept of truth. In the end, yes. physics doesn't care yeah. what your skin is. It just does what it does. And also, no matter how rich you are, you have to breathe. Were we under, were surveillance? We under, surveillance? Were we under surveillance at the time of the bombing? And writes a timber harvest plan, who did they submit it to themselves? And that is a conflict of interest. You've used a number of incendiary words. Conflict of interest. What people need is more love. You must recognize the spirit of the tree within you. It's just learning how to take care of the land. And If you were to go invent a carbon capture machine, you couldn't invent a better machine than a tree. You are listening to Disquiet on the Western Front, Voices of the Forest Resistance, Conversations to Cool a Planet on Fire. This is Chad Swimmer, coming at you from the unceded land of the northern Pomo and coast Yuki. Thank you for tuning in. Welcome to Disquiet on the Western Front. This is Chad Swimmer coming at you from the left coast, from the unceded stolen land known now as Casper, California. Today on Disquiet, we are going to be discussing emotional health and well-being, specifically the issues faced by environmentally aware youth and activists. The month of May was recognized in 1949 as Mental Health Awareness Month after efforts by the National Association for Mental Health to raise awareness of issues and reduce stigma. Mental and emotional health issues affect people of all ages in unique ways. Youth have always faced uncertainty with fewer tools than their adult counterparts. I remember as a teen, I had a recurring nightmare 
It was never quite the same, always on a cold morning beach. I would look up and see jets and missiles crossing a blue sky and know that nuclear war had begun. I always woke up before impact, but then spent the following day in a state of pending dread. I experienced depression, eating disorders, chronic sadness, raging fits of anger. My only coping tool was one that so many youth resort to, substance abuse, which only stuffed my emotions into a pit and arrested my development, but conversely gave me a sense of community with literally all of my peers who are doing the same. The mental health situation for youth has never been more pressing. The isolation of the pandemic, an exponential increase in screen time, social media, the crescendo of climate disaster, it all creates an intersection of crises beyond the capacity of even the most even-keeled humans' coping abilities. Activist youth are under a different kind of pressure than most, being especially sensitive and worried people with strong ideals and driven to try to change things. But these people also have an added coping mechanism. They are actually doing something. They're not letting the enormity of the situation overwhelm them or paralyze them. Bad as things are, they are only as hopeless as we let them make us. The options for action are limitless, but not if we just sit on our couches feeling pathetic, stuck in victimhood. As bad as things are, our perceptions are limited. We are the blind men and we are the elephant. We don't see or know all the effects our actions have. One thing that activists have, youth, adults, old people, is some undefined quality that breaks through the mud of apathy. Many of us also fight against an intolerance of others who complain but don't do anything, even if at heart we do understand they're in action. But we are some of those that are not sticking our heads in the sand. We are putting our bodies and lives on the line. Our jobs, our reputations, our bodies, our lives are at stake. The show that is coming at you now is not going to be easy to listen to. It will be painful, and if you let it, could bring tears to your eyes and hurt to your heart. We were all youth. We are all youth inside. And those of us who are parents know how it tears at you to see the desperation in the eyes of the children we love. I had more than one person decide against even contributing to this episode, as the situation seems so hopeless. I go back and forth myself, but I know that bottling these emotions up are not going to help. In the end, this is the essence of what my disquiet is all about. You are listening to Disquiet on the Western Front, giving voice to the dissonance in our collective minds. On KZYX and Z. Part of Gen Z and having been told our whole lives that we're the generation that's supposed to save the world, it's specifically frustrating to watch world leaders do nothing but applaud speeches made by our peers. Like politicians demand that we jump through these complicated political hoops only to remind us that we're still powerless. And so climate change in particular really brings up this idea of futurity for me. Um, and futurity is this societal myth that excuses the conditions of today and the current moment by asking us to tolerate intolerable things for the sake of a better future for our children. Um, futurity creates this like image 
of a child that is both innocent of the wrongdoings of the past and helpless to create the future and uses this like mirage to distract from the reality that death and disaster and the domino collapse of the environment are not actually issues of the future but um they're happening right now That was a forest activist who goes by the name of Mold. Environmental destruction is certainly the first one that comes to mind, but that leads to climate change and wildfire season. And, you know, it's day to day as far as my emotional reaction to it. Sometimes I feel complete despair when I think nobody cares. Um, And the one little small thing that we're doing as a family um, isn't going to be worth a damn against everything that's not being done. Um, when I go and do a cleanup and find beer bottles and fast food and bullet casings out in in uh, Jackson demonstration, uh, that's pretty disheartening. Um, but then other days, you know, like like today and talking talking here and talking to people that I know care, I feel more hopeful. And I know from personal experience that if I focus on the despair, then you bet I'm not going to feel very good. And if I focus on the hope, then I have a little more energy to take the right action. That was Isaac Fishman, an MFT who works with troubled youth and adults. Park Guthrie is a sixth grade teacher in Sonoma County. He says that when students learn the science of what is happening to their community and their planet, it's dramatic. Some become upset, others pretend not to care or make jokes to protect themselves psychologically. No matter how they react to this terrible realization, All of the kids have the same question. They all ask why. They want to know why adults haven't taken care of this. Why are we still investing in fossil fuels? Why are we still having debates about climate change? Unfortunately, the answer is obvious. In 2019, Forbes magazine reported that the five largest publicly owned oil and gas companies were investing in $200 million a year of lobbying to stop climate initiatives. At the same time, they were spending $195 million a year in branding themselves as caring corporations. It's likely that this has actually increased since then, as the climate catastrophe becomes more and more of a reality. Stay on rainbow. 
That was the music of two forest activists known as Sappho and Vansetti, an original song called Cable Yarder. So there's this quote from this person named Emma Goldman, if I can't dance, I don't want any part of your revolution. Well, it turns out that that's not what she actually said. And the real story is much more interesting. Emma Goldman was a Jewish person who immigrated from Russia to the U.S. in 1885. She was an anarchist, an activist, a feminist. In 1910, she was one of the first people who began speaking out publicly in favor of gay rights. She was all about women's rights and reproductive rights, social issues. She served time in prison more than once for such transgressions as educating women about birth control or conspiring against the draft. J. Edgar Hoover, in 1919, called her one of the two most dangerous anarchists in this country. She was deported in 1919 to the Soviet Union with Hoover's conclusion that if she returned to the anarchist community, she would do undue harm. I would like to read a little bit of her 1931 autobiography, Living My Life. She said, At the dances, I was one of the most untiring and gayest. One evening, a cousin of Sasha a young boy took me aside with a grave face as if he were about to announce the death of a dear comrade. He whispered to me that it did not behoove an agitator to dance, certainly not with such reckless abandon anyway. It was undignified for one who is on the way to become a force in the anarchist movement. My frivolity would only hurt the cause. I grew furious at the impudent interference of the boy. I told him to mind his own business. I was tired of having the cause constantly thrown into my face. I did not believe that a cause which stood for a beautiful ideal, for anarchism, for release and freedom from conventions and prejudice, should demand the denial of life and joy. I insisted that our cause could not expect me to become a nun, and that the movement should not be turned into a cloister. If it meant that, I did not want it. I want freedom, the right to self-expression, everybody's right to beautiful, radiant things. Anarchism meant that to me, and I would live it in spite of the whole world. Prisons, persecution, everything. Yes, even in spite of the condemnation of my own comrades, I would live my beautiful ideal. So, yeah, you could distill that down to, if I can't dance, I don't want any part of your revolution. And in any case, if you feel the need to dance... The second annual Casper Forest Fest is coming soon, Saturday, June 11th at the Casper Community Center from noon until 7 p.m. Funkin', folkin', and bluegrassy music with Mama Grows Funk, Gene Parsons with Secondhand Grass, Daryl Cherney, Holly Tannen, and Diane Patterson. Speakers will include Pomo Tribal Elder Priscilla Hunter, Sarah Constance Rose, and Ravel Gautier of Mendocino County Youth for Climate. There will also be a Pollinator Garden and Citizen Science Project presented by Isis Howard of Xerxes Society. There will be workshops, kids' activities, information booths, beer, wine, and fine food by Dalen and crew. All are welcome. No one will be turned away. Proceeds are going to the Coalition to Save Jackson, the People's Forest. 
Many of the workshops and the Citizen Science Project will be in English y español. Vamos a tener actividades y presentaciones en español y inglés para todas las familias hispanohablantes. Find more information at www.mendocinotrailstewards.org. That is the second annual Casper Forest Fest, June 11th, the Casper Community Center from noon to 7. Run right down to the apple car. Real black only thing that you can feel. Face like grandpa's happy course of very eyes. Yeah, taste it. That was Mama Grows Funk, a local Mendocino Coast band led by Uilani Wesley, a native Hawaiian and a proud activist in the forest movement for local food and has been a speaker and an MC at many events for many years. Gross Funk also includes Paul Schulman on Congos, who is chairman of the board of the Mendocino Trail Stewards and also was one of the founding members of the Casper community. Here is a little more with a song called Lysistrata's Quest. <laughs>
You are listening to Disquiet on the Western Front on KZYX and Z. I don't want to die in five years, <laughs> I guess would be my thoughts on climate change and my future. I feel like I don't have a future and I feel like there's nothing I can do about it, which is more terrifying than I can comprehend. But currently I feel helpless, so I'm just not gonna do anything about it other than what I can do, which is try to drive as little as possible, eat less meat, but it's not my fault, it's not your fault. It's the fact that corporations are throwing garbage into the mouths of gray whales and they're getting away with it. That was transgender rights activist, Roland Corey Medina. Sure, my name is Josh Potter and I'm a middle school teacher at the Mendocino K-8 and I'm also doing special education. You know, all my students, I feel like they're constantly bombarded with things um, from left and right, and you know, especially in the time of COVID. But then you have these other, you know, larger issues that are kind of weighing in on them, and wildfires is definitely one of them. You know, this overwhelmingly sense of fear that, you know, it's coming and that they're at risk, that this is something very real to them um, that's coming. And the fact is, we are having more wildfires and more than we ever have in the last, you know, past decades is uh, there's a real sense of not having any control over that. I know that's the hard part of it, is what can they do? What can they do if it happens? And it's a very, it's, it's, it's a fear that's dwelling within them regularly, and they're feeling that. They're protected because they're afraid to talk about these things. I think they internalize it, they see things in the news, they hear conversations from adults, but I don't know if they know how to articulate their fear. I definitely feel like there is maybe that over-aching feeling of hopelessness in that regard. Um, I remember we had some rallies in town, in Mendocino, downtown Mendocino, that the students we had, like, I think it was in the walkout on, on, like, Earth Day, and we supported that at the school. Those that wanted to do it could participate. There seemed to be a real energy, and I think now it's kind of like the swirling, feels like a sinkhole of, like, what do we do, and kind of losing control of that. Um, I, I see that students are becoming more aware of maybe the things that they're, you know, that they're struggling with. I haven't seen that level before. I would like to add that we got to be careful not to trample over each other. Mendocino K-8 teacher and father, Josh Potter. And so to actually be this mythical child, um, we're eternally feeling the pressure of the future and the orchestrated helplessness um, created by the state. Because, right, like, children don't have any power in the realm of po politics. We can't vote. We don't have our own representatives. Um, we don't have money even to donate to organizations who promise to affect change, but only for a price. Um, and we're shown that even our voices don't have power, that in politics we can only produce empty apologies and broken promises. Then what are we left with? Like... Helpless become, helplessness becomes hopelessness. Um, every year we get an email from high school telling us about the latest local suicide and we can't see the physical or metaphorical horizon through the wildfire smoke. That was more of the testimony of the activist Mold. This is Disquiet on Western Front. Tonight, we are exploring the emotional impact of climate change and how activism can be a coping tool. Activism can be really detrimental sometimes to see the world for like, just this really bleak, f***ed up place. <laughs> um, but also I feel like confronting that and doing your best to make a change is a lot healthier and personally makes me feel a lot better 
about my place in the world than just like ignoring it and deciding to like just kind of like look away from the burning pile of garbage that it can kind of seem like sometimes. Um, I don't know. I think it's a bummer, but it helps me um, at least feel like I'm not wasting my time, at least. High school student and activist Valentine. So we're exempt from this myth of futurity because we've been told that we won't live long enough to see our own children grow old. And so the only option is to either fall into despair and depression and hopelessness or um, shift our focus and completely just abandon this idea of the future. Because if we don't have a voice and we're not building the foundations for the next generation, then we're fighting with our bodies and we're fighting for the present. Um, so the only joy that I've really felt in activism is not like this like polite asking politicians, please affect change, like please um, make the companies stop destroying the world. Like we don't have the option to ask anymore. We're, we've been shown that we don't have the power to affect that kind of change. So the fight that we have to fight if we want to feel like we're doing anything is this daily struggle for every inch of the wild that we have left. Like today, this one tree stays standing. Today, the river flowed all the way to the ocean. Today, the bulldozer didn't make it to the edge of the forest because tomorrow the tree is going to fall, the river is going to be dammed, and the road is going to be built through the woods. But even if tomorrow we're sitting, you know, in the parking lot of a strip mall and grieving all of this loss of life, just mourning everything that has come out of this concrete world that we're sitting in. We might notice that a dandelion is growing through the cracked sidewalk and that every day there can be a small victory, even if we are hopeless. You know, when I was talking about hope earlier, I think that's what activism does for me. Um, it's a way to get together with like-minded people and feel like I'm doing something positive for the world. And it's also a way to show my daughter how to do that. You know, in essence, show her how to wash her sweet potatoes, uh, as weird as that sounds. Um, and as far as uh, other activities that help me cope, um, I think having a job where I'm contributing to a community um, that I love. Uh, moving to a place where I feel kind of tucked away from the world so I can, on some days, pretend that it isn't falling apart and on other days do what I can here to contribute to its renovation. At this point, I would like to acknowledge that this is quite a heavy subject and that for some people, they may be dealing with crisis and I just want to encourage you not to suffer in silence. That Mendocino County has a 24-7 crisis line. 855-838-0404. That is 855-838-0404. And if you are considering suicide, there are better options. 
You can call for help, National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255, or text, capital G, capital O, GO, to 741741. I also want to encourage you to develop your own practices for stress reduction. Meditation, walking in the woods, playing some music, gardening, cooking, lifting weights, riding a mountain bike up a really steep hill, or getting active. activists Safo and Vincetti with the Dana Lyons song called Drop of Water. Youth are at the forefront of efforts to stop climate change, but they are also being used by organizations as a form of front to hide the inaction that many organizations and governments are taking. This is called youth washing. Youth washing is, I think the first word that comes to mind is just disrespectful. I think it, um, doesn't like doesn't respect and doesn't like give credit to all the hard work that youth activists are actually doing um and just all the things that we're like setting aside to focus on fighting these big world issues and it just sort of tokenizes us as like um like a publicity or media thing because the youth climate movement is so big right now so it's good to have, like, a youth climate activist on your team uh, for whatever it is that you're doing. If you're, like, a big company or any any sort of thing um, or a conference or... Yeah, it, it just seems very disrespectful to 
the hard work that people are actually doing to sort of use them as a face without acknowledging what, what actually goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, one thing I think that differs in this movement from a lot of the youth washing that I hear other climate activists complaining about, or not complaining, just like talking about, is that most times um, youth washing sort of looks like using using a youth as like a token or a face, but not actually giving them like a space to do their work or talk or like actually like uh, the issues like not actually have an opportunity to push the issues they care about out. And I think that our movement has given us a space to really like grow and learn and become, um, I mean, for me, this was definitely like a, a huge step into activism. I'd like sort of dabbled around and been interested for a while, but I'd never really done a movement, definitely not as intensive as this. And I think it, it gave us a space to just be who we are and actually like have a voice instead of pushing that voice down just for the sake of having us there. Mm -hmm. Sarah Constance Rose, 16-year-old Mendocino High School student, forest activist, and co-founder of the Mendocino County Youth for Climate. But still, in spite of this, students and youth activists, youth being defined by the United Nations as under 25, are creating change. They are getting world leaders to stand up and take notice. Savannah Conwell a Santa Rosa high school sophomore says that we all have the chance to use our voices for the better. Despite the ominous chatter about the climate crisis and its drastic effects, there is still great silence among those in power to do something about it. This is why it's so important to educate our youth about the climate crisis. We will be the generation to change our world. We will be the generation to fix the mistakes of those in the past. We will be the generation of innovation and saviors. We are our planet's last hope. Students in Portland, Oregon successfully sued their district for doing them a disservice by not teaching about climate change. But this is hard work, and the students really need the support of their parents. Let's talk to Jessica Curl. She was a youth activist herself. Now, in spite of being a busy acupuncturist, is also a forest activist and the mother of Sarah Constance Rose, Mendocino County Youth for Climate co-founder. What's been amazing for me watching some of the activists a generation older than me, which I knew many of these people at Sarah's age um, during Redwood Summer and sort of that time period when I was around her age, to see just the stamina of people the day after day when nobody's slept weeks <laughs> and we're still getting up and we don't even know, you know, if we can make a difference or what's going to happen and people just keep going and keep going and keep going. And that, I think that, that was amazing for me personally. And I think was a real interesting example for a young person to just see, it can seem like there's no way you can win and everything you're doing is useless, but we're just going to keep going. And because there's a community, once someone's burned out and collapses, there's other people to step in and they can take a break. And there's always going to be someone that's in the mood to like get it done today. <laughs> Rogue River Highway. Musician and activist Diane Patterson. Rogue River Highway. This is Disquiet on the Western Front, and we are taking a deep dive into emotional health and climate change. 
and how activism can be a coping mechanism. This is Jessica Curl talking about how her 15-year-old daughter became a dedicated forest activist. So it was this period of time where people were really shut in their homes. School had opened up for a few months, and then it was summer, and that's really when Sarah got deeply involved because she wasn't in school every day. And to have something like that to focus on at the same time that we were coming out of this just really restricted lack of stimulation, lack of human interaction, and to have, especially for her, she was really surrounded by elders um, that have been doing activism in terms of environmentalism and saving redwood trees, but a lot of other um, subjects too. And she was doing a lot of... um, activism that involved sitting in one place for a long time. So she got to hear a lot of stories from a lot of different community members. (laughs) And I felt like it was just, it was like watching a flower bloom, like just all this food, all this nourishment coming into her store. A day after day, she's like, oh, I sat with Anna Marie and talked about genocide for four hours today. Or I sat with Margie and talked about the, you know, some of the early protests she went to or Um, Yeah, she was being nourished a lot by sort of grandmother figures in the activist community here, which was pretty special and amazing, and really getting a fair amount of quality time because the nature of what was happening is that people were sitting in place a lot or being stationary. Um, So, yeah, I guess she was 15, um, just sort of turned 15 a little before this, so at an age where you're sort of reaching out into the world and then also coming out of this COVID lockdown, she was able to sort of reach out into this community and just make all these great connections with people that had a lot of experience with activism um, and really let her organize things and and you know, take charge of certain things, take the reins on certain projects, which was putting a lot of faith into a 15-year-old, which was really empowering for her. And I think that's a really magical thing to have um, adults say, you know, we believe you can do this and you're going to do a good job and go for it and we'll see what happens. If you need help, you can ask for help, but we trust that you can pull it off. And that I think that that is, um, yeah, a deeply empowering thing to have community members place trust in younger people like that and um, let them try things out. And For background, the movement they are speaking of is that to save Jackson State Forest, which has involved a lot of blockading of roads and watching different places to make sure that loggers weren't arriving, some tree sitting, and various other forms of direct activism, also including many long meetings. Do you ever ask your mom, like, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> no, she doesn't. Oh, gosh. No. So hey, what are you doing? <laughs> so off the hook. And it is more likely that I will complain, like, oh, my gosh, we just went into a six-hour meeting yesterday. We have another two-hour meeting today. <laughs> more than you. Yeah, it's true. But, I, yeah, I mean... 
I don't think about it that way just because I know what you're doing with your time. It's not like you're just <laughs> laying just around. Chilling. <laughs> <laughs> Which I mean I guess I guess that's true for most adults living in the world that they have to, you know, make a living to live in our capitalist society. Mm-hmm. But um there's I was I'm actually just reading this book um by the Okay, come on in. <laughs> It apparently is the return of the second grade science report with Chipmunk busting in the door. Hey, Chipmunk. Hmm? I've had a lot of complaints recently on my shows that you haven't been on them. Can I put this part about you on? Mm-hmm. Yeah? What do you know about wild turkeys? I know that they're pretty big and that they can fly unlike farm turkeys. And, by the way, a few minutes ago I saw a really big wild turkey. They're just about as tall as me. If you put it sideways. And wild turkeys are pretty cool. They make a sound that's kind of like... Not like the dog out there? No, not like that. It's pretty cool. Do they... um, I know they have big, colorful tails. Do you know if that's the males or the females? Well, I think it's the males. And that shows me I saw a male because it was pretty colorful. And I just figured out something. It's it's really part of it is really shiny. So if you look at it in light, it almost looks rainbow. Yeah. Iridescent. Yeah. Thanks, Chipmunk. Bye. Second grade science report. <laughs> Only a few more weeks and you'll be in third grade. Oh my gosh, I know, exciting. Third grade science report. Yeah. Hey, wait a minute, Chipmunk. What? What do you think about climate change? It's bad. Does it worry you? Yes. Oh man, what are you going to do about it? Mm, try to stop it. How? For, I don't know. Protest? Protesting's good. Thanks. Go find some acorns. Okay. There certainly have been some scary moments. Um, she doesn't tend to scare easily. And so there have been incidents that other adults will call me about. Um, Two main incidents which involve trucks and her body. And, and, you know, she she wasn't too frightened in either situation. I know um, it can definitely be scary to be out there putting your body in the way. And with large vehicles that are so strong and powerful, it takes, you know, it doesn't take much um, to do a lot of damage. She is real open with me about what's going on out there. Um, And we do check in a fair amount and, you know, ranges from just the day-to-day sort of news report style. um, Yeah, she does talk a lot about what goes on out there. And I think also just watching the different social interactions in the complex network of personalities that we have involved in the movement. And um, I always think about, you know, like brain development and age, you know, 15 <laughs> being, you know, people are so fascinated by social structure and interaction. And it's been amazing for her to get to watch adults with, you know, for the most part, amazing communication skills and very strong emotions where she can watch things break down completely and build back up over and over as an example of social interaction and not have to focus on who's who's dating who and who said what to who and all of that, which is interesting in its own way in high school gossip. Um, but I can see that 
that stage of development in her mind where she's just fascinated with how do people work things out when, you know, they've gotten to a place where they, they can't even see each other and they're angry and then build things back to the point where they can collaborate to do something really difficult and how that slides back and forth and how complex a big group is and how people talk to each other off on the side and then certain ideas build. And then what happens when they come back to the group and they've gone a hundred miles away with a certain idea that maybe wasn't based on, you know, something someone thought someone said. And Again, that was musician activist Diane Patterson, and Diane will be playing at the Casper Forest Fest on June 11th in Casper. I did an interview with her and her partner Sheba. I did an interview with her last month and her partner Sheba via Zoom from Poland near Ukraine. She is touring northern and eastern Europe right now. If you'd like to hear that, it's on Pride Nation 101. You can get the Link at www.disquietmedia.blue. Um, there definitely have been times, and usually they're simple things, like she's out <laughs> with scientists doing alcohol, <laughs> and it's late at night, and maybe she forgot to mention to me that she was going to be home very late, <laughs> and I can't get a hold of her, and I'm not remembering that this is the alcohol evening. Or, yeah, being out of town for a protest, and yeah, whatever the cell phones that there's no communication and that feeling that all parents have it's getting late I don't know where my child is I think they're with someone I know um I have a lot of faith in her as a person which helps um it's all the uncontrollable factors that are scary out there in the world and I you know I'm a Taiji practitioner and teacher so I certainly have a lot of skills for trying to remain grounded um and I do think, yeah, being out in the woods can be worrisome when there's real conflict out there. And um, that can be hard when you've got young kids involved. Yeah, she's pretty grounded and steady. So people can get, um, situations can get tense and her reaction is usually to stay pretty grounded and clear thinking. So that does make it easier for me not to worry. And I trust a lot of the people in the movement. So I know if she's with people in the movement, I'm usually feel that she's safe and that people are keeping an eye on her. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think there's the combination of 
a number of familiar people and a lot of people that are, you know, sort of fierce defenders by nature. Yeah. That, I, you know, but there certainly have been times that were, or even for myself when I've been out in the woods, um, and, you know, I can hear people from the other side, hear the loggers and not in the mood to run into people and just can get anxious and, yeah, it's, yeah. it is easy to feel like, oh, I, you know, I don't want to deal with conflict. I don't want to deal with intense conflict. That's not in my, it's not something I seek out as a person. And here we are in this small community where we do all know each other. There's, you know, people involved in what we would call the other side that I care about. And certainly, you know, I'm not looking for um, bad blood or anything like that and feel really strongly about um, the issue of trees. And I think that's been true for generations. Yeah, it's definitely been quite the year. I've learned a lot. And I mean, thinking back, just like everything that this movement has accomplished, being able to say, like, I had some little part in that, no matter like what it was and being able to take like take pride in the fact that um, we've come this far. Mm. It's pretty amazing, especially as someone so young. year now be very even keeled and I've never seen you get angry how there's this headline this is the on the cover of the California educator and it says can students save the earth in time how does that make you feel oh it's so annoying <laughs> <laughs> because why is it all us like I mean of course the youth climate movement is huge and there's so many people around the world putting in so much effort, but, like, this whole idea that, um, like, it's our world that we have to live in, so we have to do all the work is just so frustrating because we're kids, and we all live on this earth right now, and climate change is already having devastating effects, and it just, yeah, it just seems very... Like, you're trying to push accountability away from yourself, and trying to just, like, ignore it and pretend like it's not actually happening. But if you, like, take in the reality of what, like, how, how much of a real crisis we're in right now, there's not time to just have the students save the earth. Mm -hmm. We all need to be doing it all the time if we want anything to change. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm reading a book right now by um, the person that founded Zero Hour. And she was... I just read a chapter and she was saying, um, like, there's no such thing as 
not having time for something. It's just what you prioritize. And so I think that regardless of whatever other things or busyness you may have in your life, which is totally understandable because I also overpack my life with things that aren't activism. Um, but I think we all need to get to a place where we're prioritizing whatever piece we can play in the climate movement because, I mean, if we don't do something now, there's not going to be time. Last month, we went to Sacramento to lobby our state legislators. It was you and Ravel Gautier, the founders of the Mendocino County Youth for Climate, and Michelle McMillan, Matthew Bostock, and Ravel's mother, Justine Lemos. We walked the halls of the Capitol building. We spoke to a number of different state legislators and their staff got a really amazing reception from um, Santa Cruz Senator John Laird. Shout out to him. How did you feel about lobbying? <laughs> I think lobbying was a really, it was a good, really good experience um, for me, but I think it also was a really effective way of getting um, in touch with our legislators much more than sending an email or a letter because even if you weren't face-to-face -face with them, you were face-to-face -face with their aides and they were seeing, like, small children. Well, I, I guess I'm not that small of a child. But <laughs> but but people that were, you know, looked like children um, at their doors, for a lot of them, COVID helped with this. It was their first in-person meeting in two years. They were very, very um, open to letting, letting us come in when we say we're student representatives trying to stop deforestation. A lot of them listened and were like very receptive or seemed very receptive to what we were what we were saying and I mean we have not no like super amazing instantaneous result has come from it but you can't expect that with anything <laughs> so um I think it would be a really awesome thing to pursue again
That was Hold Your Head Up High by longtime forest defender Alicia Littletree. Thank you for spending this hour with us. I would like to thank Sarah Constance Rose, her mother Jessica Curl, Josh Potter, Isaac Fishman, the activist named Mold, Silver Fox, Mama Gross Funk, Safo and Mancetti, Roland Corey Medina, Valentine, and anybody else I might have forgotten. This show has been a production of KZYX Public Broadcasting from Mendocino County and Disquiet Media, a program of Overstand.Earth, protecting forests and promoting social justice through modern activism. Check us out at www.disquietmedia.blue and www.overstand.earth. The views and opinions expressed are only those of myself, my co-hosts, and my guests, not necessarily those of KZYX staff or management, the staff or management of any of our partner stations, or of the board of Overstand. Disquiet media. The dissonance is deafening. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.